0: Welcome back to the Intermission Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Smitanka, and the semifinals for the 2022 FIFA World Cup are among us. We've had some incredible upsets, performances, and matches to close off the quarterfinals, so I'll need a panel to help me out with this one. Today, we've got some returning guests like Vince Tran, Abhinav Tirumala, but we also have some first-time guests in Dylan Goss and Gormu. How Welcome, everyone. How is everyone feeling after these crazy quarterfinal matches? Um,
1: I'm doing great. So excited. Uh, we had four thrilling quarterfinal matches, and now things are winding down. We'll find out a champion within a week's time, and actually less than a week, and I'm just looking forward to it all. Right, right. I mean, I'm pretty much
2: feeling really good also. It it kind of hurts a little bit that these are during final season, but other than
3: that, I can't wait. Uh, I'm also doing pretty good. I'm just upset that my GOAT Ronaldo is no longer in the tournament. But uh, we move, and I can't wait for the next games.
0: Welcome,
4: welcome. I'm um, I'm pretty excited for this uh for this final four, and I feel like we're gonna have amazing matches be- between Morocco and France, and then Argentina, Croatia might be a tight battle.
0: Yeah, exactly. We've had we've had a lot of great games in this past uh, quarterfinals. We've had some teams that we thought were gonna easily get right past into the semis, but that just didn't happen the likes of croatia and morocco going through incredible matches um so i think let's just start it let's just start it off we got argentina versus croatia argentina beating the, the netherlands uh in penalties after a thrilling game that literally got to the last minute um or what uh Wirt being one of the heroes for the netherlands but unfortunately emmy martinez sees them go through Guys, this is going to be an incredible game. We have Argentina. We have Lionel Messi. You know, one of the goats. Ronaldo is now out of the question. Everyone was expecting that Argentina-Portugal uh, final. Where do we go from here? We have an Argentina. We have an Argentinian team with an incredible attacking depth side, and we have Croatia that has played this like def- like midfield masterclass, defensive, holding back and, and waiting until the last minute. A very Some would say an annoying style of football, but clearly it works when you have that kind of talent. Guys, will Lionel Messi win the World Cup? Let's just go off with that first question. What do we think? Floor is open for anybody.
4: I would say, I say Argentina probably do it. I have a feeling this like this tournament so far, Messi's been on it. He's just he's been focused. And then after the Netherlands game, he's been angered up by the Netherlands players and the coaches. And I feel like this is a good time to get the best out of him. And use his qualities at a at a max when he's saving energy, walking around the field. He's waiting for the perfect moment to strike. And also something that I feel that's underrated about Argentina is that Scaloni has a lot of tactical flexibility. So he can switch Mm -hmm. up his uh, team to from three, five, two to cancel out Netherlands' advantages that they could have had when if Argentina lined up in a four three three. So I feel like the tactical flexibility and the passion that they carry on the Argentina squad for Messi, what I think they can allow them to win the World Cup for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. We we saw in this last match, Argentina been running a two center back with like a a four back basically for the entirety of the tournament, but to counter this Netherlands five back with their wing backs and, and their three very dominant center backs in Van Dyke, Ake, and uh, Timber, even De Litt on the bench, right? He hasn't really been utilized this tournament. So do we, so Gaucher, like we, 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 we saw a three in the back setup. This Croatia team is not the same as Netherlands. Obviously this is a standard kind of four, four, two, four, three, three kind of situation where we're going to have a four in the back. We're going to have, you know, a midfield dominant team, what do you, do you think Scaloni will still want to utilize that three in the back because it was so effective against the Netherlands? Or do you think that because maybe you know they kind of fell apart at the end there? Do you think that that might be a problem that they might see going? Like, do you think that they're going to go back to to a four back? Like, what what do you, what do you think?
4: Like they will go back to a four back, but they won't have uh, a four three three. I feel like they're going to try and counter um, uh, Croatia's midfield with the adding another midfielder into the, the lineup. So they think they're going to have like a 4-4-2 where they can have mm-hmm. um, an overloaded midfield to cause problems for Modric, Kovacic, and uh, Brazovic. So I feel like adding another midfielder into the into the lineup will allow them to suffocate Croatia's midfield, allowing mm-hmm. time and space for Argentina to create and um, to have a more dominant performance instead of having a four three three, 3 where obviously Croatia's midfield will would out, would outdo them.
0: Yeah, yeah that's that's a, that's a very good point we did see how frustrating DePaul and Paredes especially when Paredes came on there was a lot of heat in that game there's a lot of tempers that were flaring a lot of fights especially when Paredes, you know kind of booted it into the subs box that's that was a pretty controversial uh, uh point there but in in terms of the attack we've seen this Argentina team rotate. You know, we got like a Messi starting up front in the last game. We have Alvarez playing up there. We have Latara Martinez on the bench. We have Papu Gomez, who who has made like one or two appearances in this tournament. What do we think is going to be that starting attack? I'll, I'll put this question up on the floor if, if anyone wants to say, because obviously Messi starting. That is undoubtedly right. But we also have the likes of Di Maria, right, who... You know he went, He didn't start in that last game. He came on late. I wouldn't say he was entirely effective. The game was already, you know, it was pretty late anyways, and a lot of tired legs. What do we think is gonna like? Who do you who do we think deserves to start along with Messi? If if they're running up a like a, let's say a four three three or like a four two two, Abinov, go ahead.
2: Uh, if they're running a 4-3-3 per se, I'd probably go with like a combination of Messi, Di Maria, and Alvarez, right? Because Di Maria, although he didn't have too much of an effect. The minute that he came the minute that he came uh when I say too much of an effect, I mean in terms of like the final product, right?
5: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the
2: minute that he came on, he started whipping those balls into the box. And uh he's one, and he is one of Argentina's best players basically in their history, right? Argue I'd argue he's probably the best Argentine, not named Messi or Maradona, right? Di Maria. Yeah. Wow. It might it might be controversial, but <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I you, you have an argument
0: him? there. He has had an incredible uh
2: right. And he always it. steps up for them in key moments. Like we saw in the Copa America, right? He was the one who actually scored the goal against Brazil. So mm-hmm. I feel like uh, he, uh, he's not able to last a full 90 minutes anymore. But I feel like if they put him on, sub him off at 70, then they can bring on somebody like Lataro Martinez or Alvarez, depending on who starts. I feel like he can actually have a, ma- a better impact rather at the start of the game more so than just as a cameo off of the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, because like he we,
2: should be starting for
0: sure. We 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 have seen him play up front, and in those games, he actually has been effective. He 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 gets you know on that on that wide side on the wing because obviously he's a natural winger. But starting up front, he does bring a different sort of effect to the game versus like a right. out and out striker like Latara Martinez or Julian Alvarez who have been clinical. And you know, speaking of Latara Martinez. Who has been exactly like lackluster for this Argentina team? I know that we've seen the likes of Enzo Fernandez coming out that has been absolutely incredible. Julian Alvarez, who hasn't been getting that many starts because of obviously Erling Haaland at Man City. Do we think there's any like weaknesses like like who who hasn't been that effective and what can basically like what do you think Argentina has to look after in comparison to what they've been dealing with these past couple of games? I mean, they were up two nil against Netherlands, right? and then they 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 basically slip up in the last couple minutes. What do we think is is that weakness?
2: I mean in the case of a who has been lackluster specifically, I'd probably go with the two that everybody's thinking of, which is Lautaro Martinez and Rodrigo De Paul, right? Mm. And mm. Uh, in terms of Lautaro Martinez, right? Yes, I know he did score the decisive penalty, but before that his finishing, his finishing this tournament has been absolutely terrible. Right? Like Especially in, the especially in the Australia game. I believe he had three or four clear chances, which he, which he should have converted. And uh, Rodrigo De, and Rodrigo DePaul, besides the aggression that he's showing, yeah, it's not, really, it's not really too much to his game there. And I feel like somebody else in that spot could do a better job. But I think he's guaranteed to start because, I mean, we know why, right? I don't think yeah. I really need to say too much because... He's messy because you know he's messy guy and all that. But yeah, yeah. He, he, and he, and more so Leandro Paredes, they scare me because they do have a tendency to give away very dumb fouls, like mm-hmm. the free kick against the that uh, which allowed the Netherlands to score, for example. Right? It was one of those fouls which couldn't have really been given away in the first place, especially in that moment of the game, mm-hmm. because all Argentina needed to do was just clear the ball. and They could have won, but giving away that foul. Gave the gave the Netherlands that one last chance they needed, essentially.
0: Right, right, and and I, I think that midfield, you know, in in comparison to the likes of Luka Modric and Marcelo Brozovic, who have been just outstanding this tournament, even at Mar, uh, Modric's age, right? He's what is he thirty seven, thirty eight now? Like he has been unstoppable, right? Um, so yeah, honestly, I I but I, another thing that I that I thought in each of these Argentine Argentine games that I've I've been seeing is. Their physical presence and their height I feel has been like every, every side that they've played so far has been like they've been on the other side of it so, like it's it's been affecting them negatively height I mean I shouldn't say because i was I was talking about height in the last um in the last pod but Lissandra Martinez has been playing pretty good like he's been he's been one of the I would say one of the better players for Argentina, especially in that back line right but in comparison to Croatia's team where Croatia aren't exactly as fast and they're a lot more physical in again against, you know, Argentina, that may be something that, you know, Argentina has to kind of work on. Obviously they can't just grow in height. Right. But they have to like, in a sense, like gravitate to maybe keeping the ball lower. Like we've seen a lot of teams in this tournament, especially when they get um, caught out or like it's the last minutes where, where they start to panic, they do like the long ball press and like, what is the like I feel like that is one of the worst tactics to use, especially when you're down or you or you need a goal at the end, like you just keep whipping long balls in and then the other team just sticks in similarly similarly to what we saw with Portugal, Morocco, right? But are there any players that should be we should be looking out for that you think are going to be stepping up then? Because I mean, we obviously know that this team relies on Messi a lot to uh, to get goals, to get assists. He has been very impactful for them and and showing obviously how how great he is, but for players like Enzo Fernandez, I feel like he is going to play a big role in this game, a midfielder, right? We're going to have this big mid mid uh, midfield battle. Um, but who do we think is going to start in that midfield then? Like, do you think that after Paredes's performance in the last match, I mean, other than his like his antics, like you were saying, do we think that we could see like a midfield three? you think if they're running a if they're running a four, four, two, if they're running a a four, three, three, do we think that Paul and Paredes should start together now? Do we think I, I feel like it's pretty clear that Enzo Fernandez should be starting because he's been one of their better players. Um, but what do you guys think? Because I don't know, like they, they have some they have some wingbacks like Acuna and, and Montiel and, and Molina getting his first goal for the national team last game. Do we think that maybe playing wider against Croatia might be a good tactic? I mean, we've we've seen how fast that the Argentines can play. Um, do we think that that is kind of what we're going to be seeing against Croatia, who you know are pretty like pretty possession paced, like they're they're not really counter counter attacking side at all, really. They're just like kind of stuck it and they gradually move forward and and try to scrape a goal. Like what 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 do we think is the the tactic here for Argentina going into Croatia?
3: Uh, I think that they're just going to keep doing what they've been doing this whole time, which is keep going out wide, but then they always cut into the middle. They never well, not, not never, but they usually don't cross into the box because they don't have such tall attackers. So if they keep giving it to Messi or McAllister in the middle, let's say, and then they can create those chances and make something happen, as you saw with Messi last game with the incredible assist. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that if they keep it wide uh, and use those uh, wing backs, they have a bet, much better chance than Croatia who just sit back and don't really attack because... I, even with the Netherlands game I think they can still run a 3 in the back um against Croatia who aren't going to press them as much and
0: Yeah no you you, you it, have a good point because if yeah. if, you, if you look at Croatia's like wing backs Borna Sosa he is he's been pretty phenomenal even for um Stuttgart in the Bundesliga right but is Borna Sosa like if they overload that midfield right using a 3 in the back that could effectively take down Croatia but So, and and you mentioned McAllister. I feel like we haven't really touched on him. He's had quite a tournament as well, starting over the likes of Papu Gomez um, and some others as well. Like, how effective is McAllister going to be? Because I feel like he's one of the most under, like, he's pretty underrated in this squad, you know, playing for Brighton. No one really, like, wants to speak about how how great he is. And then no one really wants to highlight the big player because he doesn't play for exactly a big club. No offense to Brighton, but yeah, you know, he he has been pretty good. Um, does anyone have any thoughts on McAllister? Like, like, what, what, do we think that he's going to play a, a pivotal role? Do we think he's going to start uh, in this game? I think that
3: they're not going to change it because he has been, like you said, he's been so good. And he has started over Di Maria, Papu Gomez, Dybala even, who yeah. has been so disrespected this tournament.
0: Yeah, in um, a single minute.
3: So I don't think that they're going to change that for that reason because it has worked and he has been playing so good. So I think it's it'll be smart if he stays in the lineup
0: yeah do we think Dybala is gonna get a single minute of this tournament whatsoever there's only two games left for them right so do we think that he's gonna I don't know like I I got a feeling the reason that they're not playing Dybala is probably because he's just coming back from injury right um same with uh well I, I thought that would be the same with Di Maria but they've been utilizing Di Maria way more they both had a similar injury and they they both were expected not to be in this tournament right um, okay, so I, I guess we, 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 we've talked quite a bit about Argentina. Let's talk about Croatia for a second, right? Liv Livakovic in that game, um, how good is he? He's, is, is he considered the keeper of the tournament? Well, like, what do we think? We had a lot of good keepers, a lot, especially in the group stages. Now going to the knockouts, Abanov, Livicovich, is he your keeper of the tournament?
2: It, it's it's still between him and uh, Wojciech Cesni for me personally, because like Wojtek although Poland did. Uh, and get eliminated, his performances were so pivotal in keeping them in games. As a Polish fan, you could, uh, you could probably attest to that, right? Of course. And I feel like he still has contention, but if Livokovich can pull off what he did against uh, Brazil in this game, then I think it would easily have to go to him because no one else has really come close in terms of just making the types of saves he has and also how good he's been in the shootout. I think and I think that's a really underrated point because most most of the time in shootouts when players do miss it doesn't always tend to be because of the goalkeeper. I mean we saw what happened with Harry Kane, right? Yeah, yeah. We also saw what happened with Marquinhos. He had the keeper beat, he hit the post. So, mm-hmm. And in, even in that case, Livakovic still dove the right way.
0: Yeah. So exactly.
2: I think I think it was, uh, this game will basically confirm his status as keeper of the tournament for me but i think it's either him or bongo because bongo it has also been amazing for morocco
0: yeah yeah when when we go to that morocco game we'll we'll talk more right. about you bono he's he's also been incredible right. but yeah between he has, those two
5: for me. Yeah.
0: There, there's been like, like you said like chesney as well you can you can argue um dylan do you have any additional thoughts on on these keepers
3: well, I was just going to say as well, uh, Bono should be in that top three um, discussion because of how good he's been. He missed the game from injury and he still had almost the same amount of games before Croatia played the Brazil game um, mm-hmm. where he made 11 saves, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, I don't think Bono should be counted out because he also was the penalty saver for Morocco against Spain. So I think he's also having a great tournament and should be in that discussion.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. This. Like You said, like the golden glove, it, it. I feel like it's going to be leaning toward more Livakovic or Bono. These guys are this far into the tournament. If they can continue performing, if they have a big impact in these next two games, then they 100% I, I would say, like, a, should be. But that is to say, obviously, a bit of bias. I think Chesney should be in that discussion as well. I mean, saving Messi's penalty, not a lot of people can say that they've done that, right? Um, but yeah, like, let, let's just get into it. We saw that Croatia playing Brazil, I mean, everyone had. Croatia, not exactly in, in discussion to go any further than this, right? I don't even think a lot of people had them to beat Japan before, um, but they're this far. We're, we're close to seeing a repeat of 2018, right? And it's it's just it's just surprising. I feel like Croatia, the way that they play, like they had more possession than Brazil. They had almost the same amount of passes, almost 700 passes, but they had one shot on target from uh, Bruno Petkovic, the, the substitute. Does Petkovic deserve the start over Krmaric? I know that he scored a couple goals against Canada. I know that he's been, you know, he's 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 one of the better strikers in in the Bundesliga. Um, but Bruno Petkovic, this guy comes out of nowhere. He's he's bodying players. He's getting covered by like three Brazilians, and he manages to score off of a Marquinhos deflection. Do we think that he deserves the start over Krmaric, even though he's got a yellow? Has Krmaric been that guy for Croatia? Like, what what do we think?
4: Uh, I think uh, Petkovic. Is a good thing to have off the bench. I don't think he should start because I've seen the games that he did start in, like uh, the Japan game, and it didn't really impress me. And I feel like when he comes off the bench, he adds that strength and a little bit of energy to to work off of crosses or when cutbacks happen, he can be there to score. So I feel like he shouldn't be starting, but I wouldn't mind if he starts. But personally, Crammer should be starting for me.
0: Yeah that's that's a good point and and we saw Croatia run a 4-3-3 against Brazil and they weren't exactly you know going for those counterattacks you think a 4-3-3 would be doing they weren't creating that many chances i mean they had nine shots but one was on target um and th- and that being said they also have a pretty decent like attacking lineup if you, if you look who they have they have Vlasic, they have Orsic who both of them don't uh, have not exactly started but then they also have the likes of Perisic who has been Just clinical as he's always been, even at his age, he is not stopping. Obviously, he's a Tottenham player, but he might be one of the, you know, best international Tottenham players still in this tournament, right? Um, But do we think that we're going to see a similar approach? I mean, Croatia have gone to penalties twice now. Is that going to be the tactic? Do do you think that they're going to annoy Argentina to the point that they have to go to penalties? Is there any way that they could be able to just press and somehow change the game in a way that they haven't done before?
4: I feel like Croatia will try and use the same tactic, but I feel like it can't work against Argentina because Argentina's mental toughness that they showed against Netherlands. But mm-hmm. I think Croatia will try the most to try and get it to penalties because I didn't feel like they're comfortable at penalties. Like they've shown two penalties. They they had two penalty shootouts and they mm-hmm. won both of them comfortably. And I feel like this is what they're trying to push to, because yeah. they try to slow the game down. They don't want players. they don't want teams to get into their their mood, their groove. So they just mm-hmm. want to feel like slowing them down, frustrating them, get them to penalties, get them nervous. And I feel like they're just going to they're just going to get through on that on that kind of uh, style,
0: yeah, yeah. and and we've seen this, we've seen this possession based style that, somehow has taken them all the way through the 120 minutes. These guys are all engines running, running around. They have such a like highly depth in the, like they they have so much depth in the midfield, right? You can put on players like Meyer um, and push players down like Parasich to play in that midfield who doesn't, ex- I mean, he is a winger, right? Obviously, but this midfield, I mean, how good is it? Vince? I mean,
1: like what is, what else is there to say? I think they have by far the best midfield at, at this tournament um, you have guys like 37-year-old Luka Modric putting in a master class against Brazil. Like I'm just happy mm. he plays for my club, so that's all <laughs> I gotta say. But you know, the key for Croatia obviously, it everything starts and ends with their midfield. So if they're able to get their guys going and control the game, then anything can realistic, realistically happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if the game's really close, like one nil and there's like, what, 10 minutes left, I would not be surprised if Croatia scored a late goal and then were able to push it to penalties. So, yeah. I mean, I think Argentina definitely have a really tough task. And also, I think experience plays a huge part in this because a lot of these guys on for Croatia, they were part of that um 2018 team, right? Mm-hmm. So that knowledge going into this semifinal could play a big role for them. So... Like, if even if they go down one nil, I don't think they'll panic. They haven't shown it so far against mm-hmm. Brazil. They faced one of the craziest attacks, and Livakovic made 11 saves, and they still were able to push it to penalties and beat them, which is still, I mean, that's still shocking to me, shocking to pretty much everyone. So, yeah, honestly, with Croatia, a lot of people like to doubt them because you know they don't have. The big names like an Mbappe, a Messi, a Ronaldo, but they know how to work teams, they know how to push teams, and they know how to play the 90, full 90 minutes, even full 120 minutes. Yeah. So anything can realistically, realistically happen with them.
0: Yeah, you make a good point because they both they have that experience, right? But at the same time, they also have this perfect balance of like young and, and old. We got guys that have been to a World Cup final and they know how to control games. They've been to Champions Leagues. A lot of these like Mateo Kovacic, you know, Champions League winner, Luka Modric, Ballon d'Or, Champions League winner, um, Perisic, Champions League winner again with, the, with Bayern. But, but at the same time, let's talk about like the younger guys. We have a guy at the back, right? Josip uh, Gvardiol. On one of the best center backs, I feel in this tournament, there's rumored that his price tag from Leipzig is going to be going for hundred mil. Some prem teams are looking at him. Do we think is it worth it? Like, like this is it? This is I mean, there's a, there's a lot to talk about with this lad, twenty years old playing beside Dejan Lovren, who again that experience mixed with that youthfulness, it's it's clearly it's working. We've seen that happen with a couple teams in this tournament. Any thoughts on Josep Gvardiol? How how impactful is he going to be to stopping Messi and that attacking depth of Argentina?
2: I think he'll be one of, if not the most important Croatian player, in terms of stopping that attacking depth. And is he worth 100 million? You know, no player really is beside no player really is worth more than 100 million unless mm-hmm. you're unless you're somebody who transcends the game, right? So somebody like Ronaldo a Neymar or Messi, right? But in terms of the in terms of Premier League team buying him, I mean Newcastle United, right? We're mm-hmm. gonna start the agenda <laughs> now. But you know, I'm all serious, Right, the guy's 20 years old. He's mm-hmm. he's been one of, if not the best, center back at the tournament. And I think pairing him with Lovren's actually being a sneaky sneakily good addition because although Lovren does have his flaws, right, the experience that he has is something that you can't teach. It's something yeah. that. He, that only he can provide to somebody like Guardiola, and, and I think just in terms of Guardiola's pace, his ability on the ball, and how crucial he's going to be in terms of stopping, uh, in stopping primarily of course dealing all Messi, but you also have Julian Alvarez, Mac and all the other players that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be Croatia's most important player in the backline in terms of stopping the attack. I think it's tied between him and Livakovic.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's a very good point and and on and on the the topic of that backline bornja Sosa, i mean he's been he's been a very like reliable player for croatia but these wingbacks get subbed off pretty easily do you think that the wingbacks could possibly be the like a big weakness for them i mean if if we're talking about argentina using the wing play cutting in and and using that quick ball movement how important are these wingbacks going to be are we like i know we're talking about the center backs and obviously they they can close down that 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 final play but these wing backs are going to have, you know, work cut out for them against right. the likes of uh, Cunha and and Molina and and, and Montiel, who li- who love to play on the wing, right? And cut in. How important are the are those wing backs going to be? Is that a weakness? Are, are we are we even considering that a weakness, considering how clinical the whole back line has been?
2: I think that it is it is definitely a weakness, just because of the quality that Argentina do have on the wings, but. And I think people aren't really looking at it too much, just because of how good Guardiola and L- Livakovic have been, mm-hmm. right? Because they, because Livakovich in particular, he's been so good at putting out fires. But we also got to look at it like this, right? If a goalkeeper has to make eleven saves, did the backline really do their job?
0: Yeah, very good right? point. Yeah.
2: So I mean, it is definitely going to be a weakness, but for Argentina's side too, especially, uh, especially Molina on the right. He can't. Uh, he also has to worry about Ivan Perisic because, mm-hmm. as we've seen, uh, I think in the last like twelve Croatian knockout games, I think he has ten goals or something like that. It's ridiculous. This guy's, yeah. He and he always delivers on the big stage. Like uh, against England, right? He was actually the one who tied who, who tied the score and he got the assist to Mario Mandzukic to win in the last in uh, the 2018 World Cup.
0: So, mm-hmm.
2: I think that they would. They also have to watch out for Croatian forwards too. So I think in terms of the wingbacks for Argentina, they have to make sure that they don't become too focused on simply just attacking.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are all those are all really great points, um, especially considering how I guess unknown uh, into the eyes of you know the in the eyes of like conversation of how good wingbacks backs are in this tournament. We've seen, you know, wingbacks and like like the Moroccans who have had such impressive wingbacks the likes of Akimi and and Mazrui who may be injured for this next game, right? Um, but but in in terms of like, I feel like Croatia aren't that fast of a team, to be honest. Like like we've seen, I'm going to mention Morocco again. Morocco's passing has been so fast, so skillful. Same with Cro- uh, Argentina, Argentina. That's how they score their goals, right? Like quick one two passes. We're we're moving. We're moving. Um, is, is pace, a, is, is like the the pace of, of players going to be a problem versus the likes of like longevity on the pitch? Because we've seen the stamina of these guys. These are guys that are all workhorses, right? Do we think that pace might be a big factor? Do you think that we can see Croatia maybe get like caught out by uh, Argentina?
1: I'm not uh, too get- sure. Oh. No. <laughs> I'm not too sure, honestly, because that's actually a good point because... Um, Croatia we've seen like if you can get guys running at them that could cause them quite a few problems like I've seen at Real Madrid with uh, Modric if you get um the midfield to press him then it's quite difficult like if you get all up into him and don't give him the time and the space to make a pass it could cause them a lot of issues Um, I think Argentina has um a lot of like a younger squad But also Mm -hmm. guys that are willing to run, willing to work, and press. So if they can get that going, then honestly, it could cause a lot of issues for Croatia.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is definitely a topic to 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 discuss because we've seen how fast Argentina are on these attacks. Some defenses don't even like realize that what's going on until they've already you know get the ball out to have to get the ball out of their out of their net, right? Um, Dylan, do you have any additional points on, on the on the pace of of the match?
3: Well, I'm going to use the Brazil um, game for example against Croatia, and like Abanov said, they had 11 shots that were saved, and that, that's because they, <clears throat> well, most of them, half of them were one on ones that Lavakovic saved. Not to take anything away from him, but with Messi, Alvarez, and whoever else they have up there, they can all finish. And sometimes in soccer or football. Uh, people just have those games where they can't hit the back of the net and that's exactly what I think happened with Brazil. They had so many chances, so many one-on-ones. They just couldn't finish, but if Argentina got those chances, I don't see them missing that many. So, I think that would be a huge factor.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, in accumulation of in, a, in accumulation of of all these factors, let's just get into predictions. What do we think this game is going to end off with? Do we think that Croatia will have a repeat of 2018? You think they're going to try to, you know, stop the uh, Stop. Maybe France who get through, or or if you think they'll have a chance against Morocco. Do we think that? But their first stop obviously is Argentina. Do we think that Croatia can stop Messi's run to the World Cup? Galchel, start with you first.
4: I think Croatia they could. It's a possibility, but I think in the end, Messi has this magic that he's been he's been on form. He's on fire. I feel like any little chance of space he has, I think he'll just punish Croatia, because I feel like. He's on this mission to finally, like, like find catch up to the ghost of Maradona that's been following his whole career. So mm-hmm. I feel like this is something that he's been working on for a long time, especially after the first loss in the World Cup final in 2014. So I feel like just because of Messi alone, I feel like Argentina have the edge.
0: It's a redemption time for Messi. Absolutely. <laughs> what do you, What do you think the score is going to be?
4: The score, I would say, I would say one 0 One 0 Just a goal for Messi
0: one nil goal for Messi, taking them right to the final. Vince, what do you think?
1: Yeah, um, it is hard to argue against Messi and Argentina, right? This team is just like... I feel like Messi has just been turning it up. This guy is ridiculous at this tournament. I think he's contributed to every single one of Argentina's goals in the knockout stage, which is insane. Um but saying that I do think Argentina um, reeks of like a group project where you mm-hmm. have one guy carrying the whole team and mm-hmm. usually no one else chips in. So that's the big question for me is like, who else is going to chip in? Is it going to be Emmy Martinez pulling off good saves or whatever? He was mm-hmm. great in the penalty shootout, but honestly, I think Croatia could, if Things if they're able to get that midfield going, I think they can take it. I'm gonna say it's one-one goes to another penalty shootout. Third the in a row. battle, yes. The it's gonna be a battle between goalkeepers. Emmy Martinez making saves, Ljubakovic making saves, but I think I'm gonna say <laughs> I think <laughs> I think Croatia will make it to the final. And <laughs>
0: wow, we'll we'll see that. Hey, we we've seen tons of upsets and honestly after seeing Ronaldo get knocked out, I I'm convinced that Messi could do the same. And and you're right. It, this is this is a team sport obviously and and even even Messi's name and and Messi's status as a player right that could come into question. Can anyone else step up? Obviously we've seen some other goal scorers in this tournament, but Messi has been the pivotal factor for assists and goals, right? So Vince goes one-one penalties, and it goes to Croatia. Dylan, what do we think is gonna? What do we think is gonna happen in this game?
3: Well, I'm gonna agree with Vince. I think it's gonna go the full uh, 120 minutes all the way to penalties. If mm-hmm. if it is in the 90th minute that there's an Argentina goal, multiple times throughout this tournament we've seen that they've conceded in the last minutes. Poland and I don't know other examples as well. Multiple times, mm-hmm. um, so I think it'll finish one-one in regulation. And then no goals and extra time and penalties. I'm not going to count out Argentina, unfortunately. So I'm going to say Argentina.
0: Wow. Argentina penalties. We've seen how clinical they've been in that penalty shooter. And Emi Martinez is the number one man to get in the heads of those penalty takers. Right. We've seen that in the Copa America. He loves to. He, and, and, and he's just a he's just a reliable keeper. It, it, both for Aston Villa and for Argentina, of course. Abinov. Argentina, Croatia. Go ahead.
2: See, all lo- all logic says that I should probably go with Argentina, right? That's not what's but that's not what's going to happen here today. <laughs> it's, it, it's just out of pure selfish reasons, right, which I'll get to later. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think it'll probably be a nil Croatia after extra time, with uh with Ivan Perisic winging again. Ivan In Perisic, the, extra oh, yeah. time, one hundred and seventeenth minute. 117th minute. I'm going yeah, I'm I'm going all in
0: because we'll come back to this if that actually happens. What an incredibly specific uh I just don't
2: trust Argentina because they have a history of they have a history of being allergic to success, right? And Mm. besides I mean and besides Emmy Martinez's heroics, they never should have even got to the position where they were going to be facing Brazil in the Copa America.
5: Yeah.
2: Right. Because against the team, because uh, if you really look at the rest of Cognito, right, besides Brazil, Argentina doesn't have any real competition, mm-hmm. right? And even and especially even on that Colombia team, which is, which is uh, let's just be honest, it's a lot worse than the Colombian teams we've had in the past, right? Like in 2014, right. mm-hmm. the fact that they had to go to a penalty shootout then, if it wasn't for Martinez's heroics, I don't, uh, I don't think they would even be in the position to get... To the final against Brazil, which again they only won one nil because of another just absolutely beautiful Di Maria goal. Mm-hmm. Right. So I feel like what's gonna happen is Croatia will find a way to get in, to, to get into the heads of all uh, of the Argentines and all those memories will come flooding back. Right. <laughs> mm. right the PSG effect, I guess you can call it. Yeah, right. So no log- so no logic applied here. I think it'll be Croatia one nil, Ivan Perisic 117th minute. Okay. Yeah, we,
0: we've we, we've seen, you know, the psychology of pressure affect a lot of these teams. And, and and you know, especially with Messi and, and what he's got on his shoulders, you know, you, you could say that he's one of the most composed players of all time. However, he's not the only one playing, as Vince was saying, like we got the whole team to, to worry about here. And and Croatia is a very team based squad. Right. We've seen all these guys work together. Right. So I don't doubt that 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 could be a possibility. And and I'm gonna go on that that same prediction because I feel like I feel like there hasn't been like Croatia isn't a team that is trying to score that many goals. Okay, all right, let's let's not talk about the Canada game. We're not talking about, you know, that 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 sort of performance, right? We're talking about Argentina. But at the same time, you know, we are discussing that Argentina can, you know, produce, you know, great chances. They can, you know, shut down defenses, right? A part of me thinks uh, a part of me thinks that Croatia can do it, but in reality, I don't think that they, I don't, I don't know if they would be able to, I, I, I think, I think we're going to see some sort of messy magic again, unfortunately, as much as I'd love to see Croatia go through. Um, but I do think it's going to go two one. I think it's going to go full time. Everyone's saying that it's, <laughs> it's extra time, but I think it's going to be two, one Argentina. Um, Unfortunately, that's kind of my gut feeling about this, just the way that they've performed. But I don't think they're gonna win the final. But that'll be a that'll be a different pod when, depending on on what's gonna happen, I think it's gonna be two one. I think Messi's probably gonna get well, one, and um, I think we're probably gonna maybe see like a Di Maria, someone who hasn't exactly performed in the last few games versus like the beginning of the tournament. I think they could probably do it, and then maybe like a Modric screamer to get the crowd going. Um, Well, is we haven't seen that uh, exactly yet, so hopefully that. Uh, but we'll see. It's it's an incredible game. It can go any any way, similar to any of these games after what we've seen with Morocco. What like anything can happen? The, like Morocco's had an incredible run, and let's just segue right into that. France, Morocco, it's not coming home, fellas. We saw France took down England. I don't know how excited a lot of people are about it's not the fact that it's not coming home. However. And let's let's just speak about France. We'll leave Morocco uh, for last because that's a whole different discussion. It's it's an incredible run they've had. But France beating England, I wouldn't say it was that convincing of a win in comparison to the talent and the firepower that France have. Of course, you know, we got the likes of Mbappe, who we thought was going to absolutely tear um, Walker and, and Maguire um, apart. But, I mean, we did see some, some great displays there, but Giroud ended up being the... The hero, Vince, our French correspondent here on the Intermission. What, what do you think of France getting this part? What do you think of the, the game versus England? Do you think that it's convincing enough to go into this next game against Morocco?
1: Honestly, it, it wasn't the best game for France. I mean, it was by far the toughest opponent. I mean, all credit to all the teams they played, like Poland, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it was their toughest task, but they came out on top. So, I mean, that just yeah. kind of shows their mental... It was more of a mental game, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think the way France plays is they like to sit back, absorb the pressure, and try and hit you on the counter with, like, the speed of Dembele and Mbappe, right? I mean, why wouldn't you use that? But right. England, they they really should... Like, England were by far the better team, I thought. Um Saka was torching Teo Hernandez, like, my gosh, he mm-hmm. was destroying him. Um, Jude Bellingham was good. Even Declan Rice was pretty good. Kyle, and to England's credit, they they talked about stopping Mbappe, and bopping. I think they actually did a pretty good job doing that, but mm-hmm. they obviously left the main man, Olivier Giroud. All right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it wasn't a convincing showing from France, but obviously, of course, they're world champions. They've been here. They've done that. They, I look back to the game against Belgium. That is like kind of similar to this game against England, although they were a bit more fortunate against England. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Belgium game in 2018, they sat back and really defended their 1-0 score really well. Um, they had pressure coming down from Eden Hazard and De Bruyne and all that. Uh, Against England, they were a bit more fortunate that Harry King just skied his second penalty. Um, Mm -hmm. If that went in, I think France probably would have lost. But uh, here we are right now. Um, (laughs) France, I think they they have a point to prove. And I think um, for them, they really need to get guys like Mbappe and Dembele going against Morocco. Against Morocco is going to be really tough they they're such a well-organized team i think um their head coach has them playing so well right now they're they've they're like pretty much playing with their hearts on their sleeves yeah and they're just putting it all out there for their country and it, that going ag- up against a team like that is just i think that's like one of the most toughest tasks so mm-hmm. i mean we'll see right we'll see how good friends can be if they can show and maybe even play better than they did in their twenty eighteen win. then um, things might be looking towards them defending their title. But yeah. you know, I don't know. we'll see. Morocco's a really tough task
0: yeah. and 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 what you were saying about um the likes of of like the wingback play, right? and and this this defensive organization that Morocco have. I mean, at this point, we're looking at a team that's knocked out Spain and Portugal. They are. Quite a, quite an incredible squad to even just attack against. And that is what I'm kind of concerned about for France. I mean, we saw how organized England were. Obviously, if you're looking at the likes of Maguire and Stones, not everyone is putting them in their top defensive pairing of the tournament, right? But they were good enough to close down as much as they could. And that's why we saw the likes of Dembele and Mbappe not being as um, prominent as they've been in previous matches. And that leaves them to play mainly in the middle right but then we see against portugal that they cl- can close that down as well um morocco is is an incredibly defensive team that has you know such a such a good defensive hold when they're playing that that possession or that that, that basically anti-possession play I mean they had 26% possession against Portugal, right? That's that's an insane feat to think about. They don't have the ball the most of the time. However, they do have a lot of injuries. 75% of that back line has been injured or has had knocks in the tournament. We don't know if those injuries are going to be if those players are going to be starting like the likes of Sice and the likes of Mazarui and and another center back that I can't remember the name of right now. Um, but this this is a cause for concern because this French midfield of Tchouameni and Rabiot, obviously Tchouameni, um, is one of the reasons that they, that England got the penalty, right? Um, the first one. Is this going to be a game where we're going to see Griezmann, Rabiot, and Tchouameni having to break down a Moroccan midfield with the likes of Amrabat, who has been outstanding in this tournament, right? What do we think is like? What What do we think is that is their best way to take down this team then? Like, do we think that they're going to still press in the wings? Because Mbappe has been one of the only players in this tournament that has actually been able to skin, like, wingbacks based on just simply, like, just his movement and and skill and and all that pace. Abhinav, go ahead.
2: Just in terms of, uh, uh, if we just look at Mbappe, right, I think Kyle Walker was probably the only guy who was both fast enough and defensively sound enough to actually keep up with him in a foot Mm -hmm. We saw, uh, and we actually saw that one moment where both of them were racing to were, were racing to the net. Kyle Walker not only kept up with him, he was shoulder to shoulder. He forced Mbappe to make a pass, which I think normally he would have taken it himself or dribbled it further, right? Right, right. And the concern I have for uh, Astra Hakimi is because of how high he tends to get, and because of how attack minded he is. One slip up from Hakimi will give Mbappe enough space to cause some havoc, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think that's going to be the key battle, if I'm uh, honestly, because in terms of in terms of the midfield, I think I think uh, Morocco actually wins that, because out of all the teams left, I think I don't think it's uh, that much of a stretch to say that France comfortably has the worst midfield, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Because I, because uh, Chua Mengi, although he uh, although he has he is really good, he is still young and he's not a guy who has a lot of that experience yet, right? Right. Yeah. And he. He's not a guy who's been in these big moments before so he can't really think back to oh I, oh 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 we've done this before guys so he has a tendency to panic and even the french back line right going against uh, going against the really great players especially great dribblers like sophia and bufal and hakim ziak right so good i think uh Upe and hernandez especially i think those will be very very crucial points for france because Upe mccano he was very lucky to not give away a penalty
5: mm-hmm. in
2: that game against England. And he's not a bad player, not at all. And I think his passing is actually what allows France to play such a high line. But he does have a tendency, I feel like, to... He has a mistake in him every now and then. And Teo Hernandez, we saw how he got torched
5: mm-hmm.
2: by Bukayo Saka. So like, I think I think Hakim Zia can do something similar. And yeah. That's the one concern I have. It's that it's the left side of the back line for France specifically. And yeah. uh, for Morocco, it would be Mbappe versus hakimi Because mm-hmm. I think Mbappe, if he just has that one moment, he can, uh, he can get on the end of a ball, either, uh, either to do a cross to Giroud, to Griezmann, or, or you know, one of the trailing midfielders, or he can take it himself. We've seen mm-hmm. him do that too. And yeah. I think that's the, those are the two main battles you got to look at for mm-hmm. me.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and obviously teammates Hakimi and uh, Mbappe, they're both incredible players for for in respect of their own countries and and club as well. That's going to be probably one of the greatest battles of the World Cup that we're going to see, um, because we know that Hakimi obviously probably knows how Mbappe plays, and he's probably going to be studying this game, and and he, and he knows him quite well, right? Um, but then we come back to the the hero of the of the France game, Olivier Giroud, probably one of France, if not one of like you could argue that he's probably been more effective for like crucial moments for France um than Mbappe has even though Mbappe has you know he's scored so many goals and he's there's no and there's not a, like there's not a doubt in my mind that he is one of the best players of the tournament yeah. right if and then the whole sport of football right he's incredible Dylan go ahead you had uh some extra points here. Uh, I was just going to touch
3: on Abanoff's point point about um France's defense and their clumsiness because as we seen, as we saw in the England game, 14 fouls, two penalties, and two free kicks right outside the box. Rashford, unlucky that he had uh, just skimmed the top of the net. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if Ziyech Hakimi can attack those French defenders, they're going to cause a pretty hard time for them and create a lot of fouls and chances for Morocco to create another underdog story, I think.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. and 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 in, in that same breath, we are also thinking that we have Raphael Varane in that defense, right? And now Jules Kounde, who is playing mainly right back, uh, now for that French team, and he can play a solid performance. We've seen in this tournament that he's played pretty well there. Do we think that they're going to stick with the same back line against Morocco? Is like do you, in in France's you know perception of what they're going into here are they even going to change their backline we've seen that they've struggled but they also have incredible depth right we have ibrahima konate we have saliba who probably is the most unused french player bar the goalkeepers right Abinov, do we think that it's going to be the same backline like what do you think
2: i think it'll i think it'll end up being the same because i don't really think Deschamps has much of a choice right mm-hmm. and i understand and i understand why they play rafael Varane. he's been very good for france in the past, and even this tournament, yeah, I don't think he's, I don't even think he has been bad at all. I think he's been pretty, pretty good to decent. And with Dupe Mekongo, like I said before, his passing ability allows France to get out of a lot of bad situations. And as much as I love William Saliba as an Arsenal fan, mm. I don't, I don't think he's there yet. And with Congate, you just, you can never, you can never really be sure because we've mm-hmm. seen in his performances for Liverpool too. He is, he he does have a consistency issue. Right and uh, there's one player, right, who I think should uh, deserve his flowers. And Vince, as a real Madrid fan, you'll like this. I think this is the I think this is the perfect game where Furlan Mendy would have been useful.
0: Mm. Yeah, didn't even get a, the call up to Qatar. Exactly. No injury, nothing, just no call up.
2: Even and especially after Lucas Hernandez was injured, I don't understand why Furlan Mendy wasn't called up because
5: mm-hmm. if it
2: was him playing instead of. Uh, Instead of Teo Hernandez, no disrespect to Teo Hernandez, but Perlan Mendy is defensively so much more sound. Yeah. And I feel like in this, especially in this game, it'll be really, really, he would have been really, really impactful.
0: Right, right. And, and I think I mean, go
2: with the same back line.
0: Yeah. I mean it's 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 safe to say that that those are probably one of their, their better defending the defending options back there in terms of experience, right? And we were just talking yeah. before how Tichua Many doesn't have that experience. However, you have someone like Rafael Varan, who, you know, he may not as be as good as he was for Real Madrid like, like just a couple of seasons ago, but he is capable of pulling out those those performances and beside a young defender in Upa Meccano and 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 Teo Hernandez. Raphael Varane is that guy to like lead this team and same with Lloris who has been in this France team forever right he is uh he's 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 been quite impactful I mean those penalty saves I'm not really saves right they didn't really have much of a chance even even against a a teammate of his Harry Kane but let's just let's just talk a little bit more forward here because we're talking about the defense Antoine Griezmann I honestly I was At first, when I when I see Griezmann, when I saw Griezmann in this tournament playing like right above the defensive line sometimes, and he was playing like this like the CDM like center mid role, I was thinking like, what are you doing back there? But he has shown that he can play on the wing, up front, behind the striker, in front of the defensive line. He has he has this adaptability that we were talking about in the last pod that some players don't, Ronaldo. Um, that yes, that 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 Griezmann is becoming one of France's better players in this tournament. What do we think of Antoine Griezmann, especially considering he's been lackluster for Atletico and he's been he didn't really show how good he was for Barcelona? How good has he been for France? This is up to anyone to to talk.
4: For me, I personally i've been i've been amazed by Griezmann this uh, tournament so far. I feel like he's really been the creative aspect that France need in the midfield. And he just goes everywhere around the pitch to, like, to create space, create options, to pass, to assist, to whatever. He, he's always around there when they need him. And I feel like Morocco needs to be focused on him and his movements because if they don't follow him around or they're not aware of what he does, I think he can get in behind and cause a little bit of issues to the, to the defense, especially with the injuries that they have in Morocco.
0: Yeah, yeah, Griezmann has been just been unstoppable in terms of creative play, in terms of winning the ball back. Just, I guess defenders or like midfielders aren't really expecting Griezmann to be sprinting back and you know winning balls back and starting up counterattacks. Uh, Vince, go ahead. Yeah, I
1: mean like Griezmann's literally been the glue for France. I think he's literally he's so perfect for this team, and it's actually kind of um amazing to me that. You know, he traditionally plays like a 10 for France, but now he's playing like deeper. He's making, I saw him put in like a couple tackles against English players to win the ball in his own half and then progress it further. Mm-hmm. This guy's just been out of his mind right now. And even if like, even on his uh passes, like that pass to Giroud was like almost pic- picture perfect.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: He put it from all the way from the, out on the like the left touchline almost. And he's Whipped it into Giroud's head, like that's incredible to me. I think he has three assists at this tournament, so he's um honestly he's arguably been France's best player. I don't think they'd be this far without him. His mm-hmm. work goes um unnoticed, and in the past he's been like like a willing defender, but this year uh, and at this World Cup he's really put in the work, and he will be key and i yeah i do think that uh, morocco have to pay a lot of attention to him i mean obviously you have mbappe and then that hakimi mbappe battle is going to be key but griezmann is the guy pulling the strings for this team so if they can shut him down then that could open up possibilities for morocco
0: yeah and and griezmann after this last game became france's top assist uh leader in in their history which is just incredible considering that when everyone talks about these French players they have so many um stars to look out for there's so many things so many players to cover especially so you have players like Griezmann and Giroud that many like basically look look over um in club football and they come into this world cup and they're like you said like they're their best players like they're the reason that France is progressing what do we think are some of the strengths that oh so actually before before we go to strengths um, I also wanted to mention that in that last game against England, they only had one substitution. Do we think that's a problem? Do we think that Deschamps thinks that the team is so well-organized, just the starting 11, that they that they don't even need anyone to come on? I mean, they have so many great attacking options, especially up front, you know, Kingsley Coman, Marcus Sturem, um, even in the midfield with Kem Vinga and Guendouzi, who are two players that are just, you know... For for most club teams, anyone would love to pick him up. There's such young, great talents that can play literally on every position. We've seen Kemavinga play at right back, right, um, in their game against Tunisia. But now that I say that, he didn't actually play that well at right back. But anyways, do we think that, you know, maybe the depth isn't being used properly? Like, what are some of the weaknesses that we're going to see in this France team going against Morocco? Or what are some of the things that they're going to have to really work on that they haven't, especially in this game against England? Um,
1: I think... Didier Deschamps, he's like more of a, I don't even know how to say, but like sometimes in games, he doesn't utilize all his players. We've seen it in the past. He's like, I wouldn't say stubborn, but to an extent, he's sort of like that. Like he's just, his heart knows on like what he wants to do, what he wants his players to play like. And um, I mean, if the occasion came up, like if France were, if it was like a nil-nil game, 80th minute, I think that's when he starts putting on different players to get different uh, things going. Um, But it's all situational-based. France have a lot of depth, obviously. We've seen, like, I mean, it's been talked about so much that they could field two teams that could win the World Cup realistically. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. um, but, like, it's... And honestly, it just depends on the situation. I think Camavinga is a really good player, but he's, like, rarely been used. At the world cup um i mean it's just like if it's ever like really really tight then that's probably when things will start to shift for france but honestly there might not need to be too many changes Mm -hmm. yeah
2: i think the other thing is right we talked a lot about experience before besides kingsley coleman right a lot of these French players on the bench, they don't really have that type of experience to where if you're in the if you're in the 85th minute, you immediately need a goal. Didier Deschamps can go to them and say, and and go, can go to them and say, hey, we we've been in this situation before, you know what you need to do, right? And I think that plays a I think that actually plays a, a lot bigger of a role than people think in these tournaments, right? That's why we've like that's why we've seen there's teams who have such great talent, right? Like Brazil, for example, who a lot of those players they didn't really have that big game. They don't really have that type of big international experience, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know Brazil was the wrong team to use for that, but I think uh, you could even talk about this this uh, Portugal team. Besides mm-hmm. Ronaldo, besides Ronaldo and Pepe and uh, William Carvalho, a lot of the a lot of these Portuguese players they are very new. They haven't been in, mm-hmm. they haven't been in that type of situation, right? And if you look at the French uh, bench. Who can you really call on in, uh, in a situation like that? Because I think the only substitute they made was Marcus Turam, right? Yeah. And, uh, another, and another situation I want to bring up is the last time uh, Deschamps made significant substitutions in a game, it cost them. And that was in the penalty shootout against Switzerland.
5: Mm-hmm. Because
2: France's best penalty taker, in that, uh, taker, which I'd say is Antoine Griezmann, right? He wasn't actually available. Neither was Karim, but be- neither was Karim Benzema. Mm-hmm. Neither was I believe. Uh, I believe Lucas Hernandez was also taking off in that game. So he's had a situation where uh, where his substitutions have backfired on him before. That could also be playing a big part in his mind too. Yeah. And uh, just to touch on Griezmann really quickly, right? Ever since Deschamps took over, Griezmann uh, Griezmann has been called up at, at every available opportunity. And yeah. I think I, I think now we're seeing the reason for that.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's been he's been incredible, and and you're right. There there's a difference between having experience in the Champions League and having experience in the World Cup. This is the world's biggest stage, right? This is the biggest event in in football, and a lot of players don't ever get to this moment, right? Especially some of the best players that have ever played. Um, so there's, there's there's a lot to look out for. There's a lot to build up. I mean, even though France were on the back foot against England and you know, they had 200 less passes and they had like significantly less possession. I don't think that's going to happen in this Morocco game. I think based on how Morocco played, and we'll just get right into Morocco uh, at at this point, because it's like the first African team to make it to the semifinals in a World Cup. Everyone was riding them off and they have deservedly got to this point. There are eliminating teams that were expected to be in the semifinals and they have been so far unstoppable Bonu, let's just kick it off with the hero of this game. You've seen Bonu, M- Montreal born. Just unfortunate that he decided to choose Morocco instead of Canada, but fortunate for him, because Morocco are, are 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 this are this far. Let's just start with Bono. Just unstoppable for, for Morocco in this match. Do we think that also like Livkovich, he will play that like key role for uh for Morocco? What do we what do we think?
1: Honestly, yeah, I think he will. Um, I think Bono, he's been having a really good World Cup. Um, he's been the anchor of that uh, Moroccan backline, if you even want to call him that. But, like, he's been, like, oh, there was a save against Portugal. I forgot when, but he's just, like, oh, I can't remember now. But he's, every time his, he's been needed, he's been, he's been answering the call for Morocco. Whenever there's a one on one or, or like a big, uh, opportunity for the opposing team, he's been there to stop it. And I think, um, against France, he will have to step up big time because coming up against that attack, that's probably an attack that they haven't faced yet. I mean, credit to them. They, they were in a group with Canada, Belgium, Croatia, and they finished top and then they beat Spain and Portugal. Yeah. That like, if they beat france what kind of that is the most insane run we have <laughs> ever seen yeah like this team is just it's just they're, they're so amazing i just love this team so much i think they're playing so well together they they even have a quite a young squad as well if you want to look at it that way like no they we do. could be seeing these guys um maybe even push further into the 2026 world cup like this squad is really good. Um, if they can mm-hmm. play like a collective unit and are well organized like they are typically, anything can happen. So it all starts with their back line. I mean, obviously it is concerning that they have so many injuries, like yeah. Sais, Aguirre, and um Mizrawi. Yeah, We'll see Aguirre, who who yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll see who um plays in place of those guys, but like the 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 players that stepped up and were substituted in um for that Portugal game, they actually showed up quite well and they were really good. Yeah. So I mean if they can keep playing with passion, um it's like that meme. (laughs) There's no (laughs) no passion, there's no aggression. But yeah. (laughs) If they can (laughs) if they can play with passion uh, and with pride for their country like like they are right now, then yeah, anything can happen.
0: Yeah, and 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 we're talking about Bono here in that back line, but Bono only made three saves in this game against Portugal versus the likes of Livakovic who has who literally had to pull out all the stops uh, to save this team. So unlike un- unlike uh, Croatia, in that sense, if we want to compare another defensive um, style team in 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 this uh, in these semifinals, this back line has been the rock. That midfield has been that rock that they have. Um, and and the likes of Sofian and Emmerbad. he is he's got to be in that team of the tournament. Regardless if they get blown out by France, he has been incredible. Galchik, what, what, what do you what do you think of Morocco so far?
4: I think that defensively they're very strong, and because of it's not because of um, individuals, I'd say because they had a lot of injuries and they still did it against Portugal. So mm-hmm. I feel like the way they play is they overload the wingers. Whenever the opposite opposition team gets the ball on the wing, they overload that side. And they get the two two midfielders to come in, which is Amrabat. He always shifts, and uh, either Unahi or Amala, and they always they always tuck into the the wings, and then they block the wingers from having any impact on the match. So I feel like this is a place where they would they would hurt France when Mbappe and Dembele they like to run, but when people when there are there, five people around them, they won't have the time and space to do it. But overall, defensively, I think they're just a big strong unit. Uh, mm-hmm. I give credit to their coach Oli Regrawi, and I feel like he's he's pulled off like these tactical masterclass and defensive yeah. defensive um games. Like he's just he has it all defensively, but I feel like what thing what thing is gonna hurt them is the um, on the attack,
5: because
4: mm-hmm. I feel like they don't focus on the attack as much, and I feel like they just wait it out and see what happens.
0: Yeah yeah and and we saw that incredible goal against Portugal hopping over Diaz and and the goalkeeper Costa in a Ronaldo-esque jump that was just it was incredible. I mean to be fair to to Morocco like they they had no one covering that those those wingers that were whipping those balls in like nobody. And and to like what you're saying like the, the way that Morocco defensively plays they overload those wingers that because in, in many cases in this tournament, when teams start to panic, they want to whip long balls in. And that is what Morocco have realized. And they're utilizing their wing back play in that sense. They're overloading they're they're pressing really well. And they're just closing down those gaps. They're playing as such a well-organized defensive and midfield unit that it's so hard to break them down. Even if you have the likes of Portugal that have incredible um, creative players like uh, Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes, right? Like these are, this is a team that, everyone you know, didn't think much of and they have shown that you know tactics and an organization and strategy can overcome you know some of the world's best players right like Ronaldo and and even like Rafael Leahu came on I thought that he even he was going to bring something extra but like we saw overload those those wingers and then that's it they, they they cut that off um but injuries are a big are a big problem they also got a red card um, but then you have like the likes of like El Meek in from La Liga, who is is getting into that starting that uh, that started over Aggard, who got injured. Um, he's been really good. Is the are these injuries going to affect these players? Like Sice was playing with an injury for most of the match, and then I think it was, was it I don't think it was I think it was his own like hamstring or something that that he didn't get like uh, fouled or anything. So, is fitness going to be a problem? These guys are only going to have like a two day break, right? And then they're they're playing again do we think that that injuries are going to affect this team? Because we've we've seen that the heart that these guys have, they play as a team. There's not one player that, you know, stands out. Like, they're all fantastic, right? Do we think injuries are going to be a problem against a French team who actually, to be fair, like they haven't, they didn't play that, they're not coming off of a great win, right? So do we think that injuries are going to affect Morocco?
4: I think the system, it stays the same with, with or without injuries. And I feel like, the thing about the individuals in the team like it would allow them to make mistakes because i feel like they don't have as much as qualities as a, the original starters so i think mm-hmm. there might be some lapses of concentration in the back line but overall i feel like it, it'd still be as strong as is before because what they have the system they set up is just i feel like it's perfect for knockout football and this is going to take them it could take them all the way possibly who knows
0: it's it's totally a possibility especially when we when we just talked about some of the weaknesses that this French team have especially in that in that midfield you know if they overload these midfielders especially the guys who I mean and I think France come in here with the with a bit of like pressure like with a lot of pressure because you know I would assume that Portugal and Spain they got into these games and they were like oh it's it's Morocco like we'll we'll easily get past them but They've shown that strategy overcomes, you know, like this, this, this overconfidence, this overestimation, you cannot overestimate this Morocco team. And one of my favorite parts about this squad is how, is how they, 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 they play the defensive style of like this, this Croatia and this Netherlands, like holding like strategy, kind of holding the the team together in the back. But when they go forward, they play such fast football, similarly like like to Argentina or like to a prime Spain or a Prime Barcelona that we've seen. These guys are so skillful. The likes of Ziyech and Buffel uh, Bufal and, and Hakimi, they are incredibly fast with their passes. Some of these clips that I'm watching, like even after the game, of like of individual like getting around these players, like it's it's not that and the play, and they're getting around players that you would think are so defensively sound when they're playing in the Premier League, the likes of Cancelo and, and, and Ruben Diaz are we going to see like a Bufal and Ziech like masterclass? And even, uh, and, and Nezri who scored the goal. I mean, he doesn't really get that much of the ball anyways, but he is, he is clinical. And this is something that I was talking about in the last podcast where I was saying that Morocco, you know, lacked that, that composure in that final third, but we've shown that this is not, this is not happening. And, and honestly, and Morocco did miss a couple of chances against Portugal, including that, that one, one-on-one that they had laid on. How effective is this quick passing going to be against this France team?
1: Um, It really has to be uh, effective to beat France. I mean, France, from watching them for years now, like they tend to concede a lot of chances. And sometimes it does take, um, you know, their their, uh, players, some individual brilliance to stop it. But if Morocco can get the ball moving quickly and if they can get their attackers in uh, in sync, then they could really cause a lot of issues for France. Um, But my main concern about Morocco is, I mean, apart from the injuries, is that they're they need to take um, their chances better. Like they they have a lot. They've gotten a lot of chances in the past, but they've rarely scored from them. Right. Mm -hmm. I think. I don't know how many goals they've scored at this tournament. Maybe like, I think it's five, six, something like that. They need to take their chances better and France will give them chances. So if they can make good on all those opportunities, then they could really cause a lot of problems for France and maybe even be in for an upset
0: yeah. and and and, like you're saying, taking your chances, even in the sense of like passing, like they have the lowest passing accuracy of any of these four teams. Like they're not really capitalizing in that sense. However, the way when they do pass well, it comes off so incredible because it's so effective when they're getting past these midfielders. And do you think that this experience and this pressure that France will have will affect them negatively? Like, like Morocco seemed to be a team that capitalized in the sense of, you know, they're so well defensively that, that there's nothing that's coming through, right, at all. Like, you can't even go through the wing play, and we've seen that France, how they beat England, they whipped the ball in from a cross on the wing, right? And I, it's, it's a hard it's a hard conversation to have because it's like this Morocco team can pull off, at this point, anything. You're, you're knocking out one of the goats, Ronaldo. You're knocking out this young Spanish team that knocked seven against uh, Costa Rica. Like, I, I, I just, I see this Morocco team, having the possibility of of knocking out a favorite and a world a previous world champion of Morocco but i just wanted to highlight sofian amrabat he has been one of the midfielders of the tournament how good has this guy been for morocco
1: he's uh he's unreal he's like the engine stopping everything for for morocco he's i mean he's destined for a big move definitely mm-hmm. like like i said i think i said in the last pod like this Moroccan team, a lot of these guys should be getting big moves after the World Cup is over. I think they've shown that they belong at the world stage. Mm-hmm. They are, I mean, they're not Africa's first semifinalists for no reason, right? Mm-hmm. They are such a good team. Um, he is one of their standout players, and he will have to be called on again in this um, match against France. If he, like, if he can stop Griezmann, Then, yeah, anything can happen. You know, Morocco, um, he's so crucial to them. And um, anything that, (laughs) like, anything that starts and ends with him. And um, I mean, we'll just see, right? This is going to be his biggest test going up against France with Mbappe Giroud. You know, we Mm -hmm. know their attackers, we know their quality. But if he can step up and just, announces presence there yeah. then uh Morocco could be in for
0: a win yeah and and the fact that like he plays for Fiorentina right now and I feel like he hasn't really been a name that has been spoken about at all and and I and, I, and like you said a lot of these players deserve to get big moves if they've already hadn't have if they ha- aren't already playing for big clubs in the first place right um so let's just like get in, get into these predictions because I feel like there's there's so much contention there's so many weaknesses in all these squads uh, in both these squads but there's also so many strengths I mean Morocco are coming off of an incredible upset and France are coming off of a you know a decent win right they but we, we saw that it could have slipped up if Harry Kane didn't play for I mean sorry if Harry Kane missed the uh, if scored the penalty um but let's just get into these uh predictions Gaucha. what do you think is going to happen in this uh, we'll start off with you what do you think is going to happen in this Morocco France game I,
4: I think it's going to go to penalties I have a feeling that Morocco just hold out for the whole one, 120 minutes and I feel like it's just going to be a tight defensive a uh, little rough and gritty battle and I feel like they're just going to annoy France until the point where the pressure is just going to get on them in the penalty shootout and I feel like in the penalties I think they can take the win over there. So I think nil nil on penalties, Morocco go through, and the dream keeps going. And I think they have a chance to win it. To be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, in previous podcasts, if we were saying that Morocco was going through, all of us would be looking at the person being like, "That's that's not that's not possible." However, if it goes to penalties, we've seen Loris hasn't been that great. He, he he didn't even. I mean, the one went over the bar, so you can't even say that he he saved that one, right? But you're right. This pressure and this psychological game is going to be huge against France. And I think that if Morocco can capitalize and they can use the same strategy and close down those big players, even like the players that that aren't even making the headlines, you know, like the likes of Griezmann, if they can close that down, Amrabat will have a field day and then they can easily get into the final. Dylan, let's go with you next. I'll wait till Vince last because I want to see. I want to hear his prediction then. But Dylan, what do we think is going to happen in this Morocco-France game?
3: Oh, well, I think it's going to be a really close game. I say if France does win, it'll be two nothing or two one. But if I have to choose, I would say it's two nothing for France. Mm-hmm. I know that's a little bit of hot tape because Morocco has such a good defense, but I also see France being able to break through a little bit. But if it does uh, end zero zero, or if it does go to extra time, I say zero zero in the first ninety, and Morocco wins on pen because Bono for years now, even when. Uh, in the Champions League against Dortmund. He saved a couple pens against Holland. So since then, mm-hmm. I've been saying that Bono's been a great county stopper, and I can see uh, Morocco going through. But like I said, 2 nothing for France. And I'm going to say it now just in case I'm not on the next pod. If Morocco, <laughs> if Morocco beats France uh, in this next game, they win the whole thing.
0: They win the whole thing. That's a yeah. valid, valid, uh, valid prediction. And at the same time, France has that quality, right? Mbappe, Giroud, Griezmann, Dembele, just in that attack, it's just so hard to defend against. And even a team like England, who have an incredible midfield, similarly to Morocco and how good they have been in the midfield, anything can happen. And France have that quality. They can just as well go through as Morocco. I, I, I don't even know what the odds are between both. I would assume France probably has the better odds. But then again... Upsets galore. I can't even put my finger on a single game that I predicted right on this tournament, if not at all. So, 2-0 France from Dylan Abanov, Morocco France. What's your take? Well,
2: at the before we actually uh, began the World Cup, I did a podcast where I said France could France would repeat as favorite as a mm-hmm. hot pick, and I got to stick to that. <laughs> so because of so just for that sole reason and that sole reason only, right? I brought up uh, selfish reasons a, a couple of, uh, minutes ago when we were talking about Croatia, right? I want Croatia to win because I think they will be easier for France to beat the Argentina.
5: That's mm. pretty much
2: it. So, with that being said, I think this game is when the dream ends. I think this is when Goliath finally wins. David falls, <laughs> and I think France. It's just they're just too talented to lose right now. And I, think that, and I think that's the one thing that France can always back themselves on. And if they do win, I think it would have to be either within normal time or extra time. I think safe prediction is probably 2-1, 2-1 France after extra time. Because if it goes to penalties, like you all said, I don't trust France in a penalty shootout.
5: Mm-hmm. Last
2: time we saw them at a penalty shootout in a major tournament, killing Mbappe with the nation on his shoulders took one of the weakest penalties that we've ever seen. Mm. Right. And if we're really being and that and that was against Jan Sommer, who, no disrespect to Jan Sommer, but Bono's been on such a higher level Mm. in this tournament than Sommer was in Euro 2020. And I think that ultimately, if they do go to a penalty shootout, you're also going to have you're also going to get back all those pressure and expectations. I think that's one of the benefits actually for Morocco in this case, because Morocco right now, these guys aren't playing with pressure. Because mm-hmm. they've already achieved greatness, whereas exactly. for France, this isn't greatness. This is just an expectation. And I think that if it goes to a shootout, all those expectations are going to start getting in these guys' heads. And I hope that's why I hope it doesn't. So yeah. if it goes to a shootout, I think Morocco wins by four pens. And uh, if it doesn't, but I don't think it will, so two on France after extra time.
0: Yeah, very well said. Expectations for France versus you know Morocco, who if they if they Um, go out in this, in this next game, what they've done until this point is incredible. And, and arguably they've been one of the best teams to perform in this tournament based on simply just tactics and just upsets. They have what, what they've accomplished is basically a statement for all these other African teams that are coming through, um, in in these next tournaments right like they have they have made they have set the bar and they have shown that these players are able to do this even if they're overlooked because they play for specific clubs or or, or they don't have the superstars right like we've seen you know these players step up as a team right so 2-1 france i yep. i don't I, you know you're right they have the quality anything anything could happen i
2: mean one more point on morocco right just before like um just before i finish i think in their entire squad they only have guys who don't play in europe right now wow and yeah so like i know i was surprised too a lot of the moroccan team actually does play for european clubs mm-hmm. and some of them do play for major clubs like hakim ziak obviously being the most prominent mm-hmm. right and so i think like that's also a really underrated portion of why morocco was so doubted i guess before this tournament even started
5: mm-hmm. because
2: i don't think people realize how much european talent like European playing talent that Morocco actually has.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, very good point. They do play for a lot of these, a lot of these teams, but they aren't the soup. They aren't the names that the headlines are, you know, trying to grab uh, Exactly. Um, I think that I think the dream is going to live on. I, I, I don't, <laughs> sorry, Vince, but I, I think the dream is going to live on. I mean, I, I thought if I thought before this, if France were going to beat England comfortably, they would be able to beat whatever team that they, they would win the whole thing. And as much as I think that France do have the quality and and this could go in any direction, I don't think it's going to be, you know, I'm not even confident saying that, that Morocco are going to win this, but I, I think that if they can hold France with all these injuries that, that France has and all this quality that they're lacking in the midfield, I think that they, the French, that the French could get psychologically, um, hurt by this. And I do think that it's going to be a one zero win again for Morocco in the 90 minutes. I think that it's going to be some incredible, and I think it's going to be something insane. I think that it's going to be like a ZH long shot or a Bufal going through. Unfortunately, I hate to say this, but I think that, you know, with with that left side, as we were talking about with Upamecano and Hernandez, I think Bufal, we've seen him spin all these opponents in previous games I think something's going to happen and I think they're going to play one of the most defensive performances that we've seen this tournament as they've done before. And I think it's going to be Morocco 1-0 in the full 90 minutes. That's just how I see it, unfortunately, but I could, at the same time, I could also see it going to France and France could, you know, win with the quality that, that they have, of course. Um, but let's just end it off with Vince, Vince, our French supporter here. What do you think is going to happen? Oh man. Where do I start, right? We got on one side, we
1: got the star power, the speed, the finishing ability of France, you know, that they've got so many big names that we already know. Mbappe, Griezmann, even Varane. But, you know, and then on the other side, we have Morocco. Such a well-organized, such a, well, a good defensive team. The surprise of the tournament. You know, we coming into this, I don't think anyone had Morocco going this far, let alone getting out of their group, right? So, Sam, Samuel Atto did. Some, uh, so. That's true, yeah, <laughs> Samuel Eto'. Didn't he predict Cameroon-Morocco he, final?
0: Yeah, and he predicted Cameroon <laughs> was going to win. So up until this point, who knows? I mean, maybe he was on to something, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know,
1: Morocco, such a good side. Everyone loves a Cinderella story. Mm-hmm. However, with that being said, <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to be making a prediction. Here's my, again, back to back pods.
0: Vince <laughs> is not making, I yeah. kind of saw that coming. I, I that have
1: coming. to see, I have to be political here. I have to keep my mouth shut. We're in for a good game. So I'm praying <laughs> for a good game. Okay. That's all I'm going to leave it to, you
0: know? So, we're going to put Vince down for a 1 0 France. Uh, no. <laughs> no, but no, it's, that's fair. Like, we're all pretty undecided for, for the most part. This game is going to be incredible. We, a lot of people would love to see Morocco going, going forward. We've seen even the likes of Louis Van Gaal this morning posting that, you know, he was in full support of Morocco. And I don't doubt him. He probably hates Argentina after, after what, they, what, what, what they did to them. But we'll see. Uh, it fantastic games across the board, Argentina, Croatia, anything can happen. France, Morocco, anything just incredible stories all around. It's going to be two games that are definitely ones to watch for anyone who has not been watching this tournament, this tournament at all. It's just been a fantastic tournament in, in general. Um, it's, it's up for grabs for all four teams we've seen, you know, we, we could see a repeat of the 2018, or we could see Messi finally winning the world cup that, that many people think he deserves. Um, or we can see a full Cinderella story of Morocco being the underdog that takes it all. And that would be one of the biggest phenomenons in, in football. Um, Does anyone have any final remarks before we end this podcast off?
1: Everyone, we've have 2 great semifinal matchups coming up. Don't go anywhere. We've got Argentina with the Messi, their goat carrying them. He's put the whole Argentinian squad and the country in his backpack carrying them. Can he do it? We'll see. We've got Croatia. Uh, we got Benjamin Button, a.k.a. Luka Modric, <laughs> playing. This guy just doesn't seem to age. You know, can he push Croatia to back-to-back final appearances? Can they finally win it? On the other side, we've got France. They could become repeat champions for the first time in 60 years, which is oh, wow. unheard of. Since, like, Pele was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, can can Mbappe secure the golden ball and the golden boot and the World Cup trophy? Who knows? 23 years old. <laughs> 23, that's, if that's he wins crazy. two World Cups, insane. Yeah. But then we also have Morocco. Everyone's uh, favorite story. Nobody saw it coming except for Moroccan supporters. <laughs> <And that's> but... <laughs> And so, but uh, you know, everything looks so good right now. We're we're in for some very
0: exciting matches, and I can't wait for it to kick off. Well said to to finish us off here. This has been another intermission footy podcast. Thank you for all my uh, guests here coming. Welcome to gaucha and Dylan for the first time. Hope to see you guys back. And uh, thanks for listening. And you can catch us when we wrap up the World Cup with our final podcast for the final after these two matches peace